Would you describe yourself as a builder up or a knock it down? Or judge for yourself? And having thought about it, if you're not completely happy with the way you measure up, then see what you can do about it as we look at me and my big mouth and the power of the tongue. I'd like to start by reading a passage from the Bible, from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And in chapter four, he gives some really good advice and goes like this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for you are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who is stealing must steal no longer, but must work, do something useful, and with their own hands they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And there's some really sound advice there. There's a couple of gems. Don't do anything stupid while you're angry. Don't let the sun go down. Don't go to bed while you're still having a row with somebody. But it's that last verse and the tail bit of that last verse that I want to concentrate on this morning. Let's just read it again. So when you're speaking, only say what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We're in a series called Me and My Big Mouth. Martin started it off a couple of weeks ago and he talked about the importance of listening, of understanding others first, of not getting angry. Then last week, Helen spoke about the need to sometimes pause before we speak, before we put our big foot in somebody else's mouth. It was interesting, in virtual coffee after the church service, just about everybody had a story of when they'd said the wrong thing and people explained how awful they felt when they had done it. A lot of the stories were funny, or seemed to be, but we tend to remember, don't we, the hurtful things that are said. It's the way that we're built. You've only got to look at social media and how people can very quickly knock things down something very simple where somebody who's, I don't know, made a cake and posted a picture of it. And there's lots of comments about how nice it looks and how tasty it must be. But almost always there seems to be the one person, perhaps trying to be funny, I don't know, that makes that negative comment. And I guarantee it'll be that comment that the cake and, cake and maker remembers. So Martin talks about how we need to be quick to listen. Helen talks about how we need to be slow to speak. But is that enough? Do we need to go further? Well, the passage we looked at this morning tells us that we need to use our tongues positively to encourage one another. And it's probably a bit more than just the, you look nice today, or have you had your hair cut? It looks wonderful. Not that I'm saying that those compliments should stop. Please, if you're good at complimenting people, do continue. But if we look at this verse in parts, I think what Paul is saying to that early church in Ephesus goes a little bit further. 
Let's look at it bit by bit. Firstly, say only what is helpful. Silly analogy, but do you say you're too short to reach that cupboard or do you tell the person where the stepladders are? Both statements are true, but only one is helpful. When we speak to other people, are we helpful in what we say? Then are we helpful and do what we say, build the other person up? Here's an activity for you to try once the service is finished. Go and stand against a wall and then put your hand up as high as you can, stretching, keeping your feet flat and get somebody to mark on the wall little lines to how far you stretch. Then go back and do it again, keeping your feet flat on the floor, but get someone to encourage you and tell you that you can stretch a little bit further, to put all your effort into stretching. And I almost guarantee you that you'll be able to stretch a little bit more. You thought you'd stretched as far as you could, but then with that word of encouragement, you are literally built up a little bit further. There's a story I think I've told before about the production line. And um, there's a production line making widgets or whatever. And the operations and methods people come in and they look at the production line and they think, well, we'll improve the lighting and see what that does. And production went up. And they thought, we'll put some music in the background. And production went up. We'll give them some more comfortable chairs to sit on. And production went up. And then some bright spot thought, well, that, what happens if we take away the good lighting? And production went up further, as it did again when they took away the music and the comfortable chairs. And it turns out, and they came to the conclusion, that the fact that people were showing an interest in what they were doing was far more powerful than the lighting, the music or the comfortable seats. So do we build up? Do people feel that little bit taller after we've spoken to them? And then we're told to speak what is helpful, what will build people up. But then we're told to speak according to their needs. The people we speak to are not all the same. And if we just say the same thing to every person, it won't have the same effect. It is a good idea to tell my wife when she's had a haircut, her hair looks nice. Tell me when I've had my hair cut it looks nice, it won't have the same effect. It looks exactly the same as it did, but just a little shorter. We need to think about what we say and who we're saying. And the final bit of that verse is that it tells us that it needs to benefit them. Have you ever heard the expression, well it had to be said? What it really means is, it didn't have to be said. Well, sometimes people say, well, I'm glad I've got that off my chest, which usually means the person that heard wasn't glad that you got it off the test. Are we benefiting ourselves with what we say or is it benefiting the other person? I guess the litmus test, and this is Neil's litmus test, is three things. If it hits one of these things, maybe it's worth saying. Does what we say support the other person? Do they know that we're on their side, that we want the best for them? The second thing is, does it build confidence? Do they feel that little bit taller? Do they feel that little bit more able 
after we've had our conversation? And finally, does it give them hope? The greatest hope is the hope of God that fills us with joy. Do we leave something of that in our conversations with people we speak to? Sounds complicated, doesn't it? And you're probably saying to yourself by now, oh, I'm not sure I could do this. I'm not sure I could find the right words. But I think when we want to be, we can all be naturals. If we have love, that Christian love, the person we speak to, it's so much the easier. A lot of people will know that um, Angie and I have a uh, one-year-old grandson. He was turned one a couple of weeks ago, Noah, and he is just learning to walk. He can do about 12 steps when he wants to. And learning to walk is not an overnight process. He didn't get up one day and then suddenly charged down to the other end of the room. No, he got up and he fell over. He got up and he clung to the furniture or to his parents and took a step and then he fell over. And then he took a few more steps and he fell over. And in this process, which probably took weeks, how many negative words did Robin and Helen, his parents, say to him? That's right. None. It was all, you can do it. Well done. Good boy. Clever boy. Clap, clap, clap. Hooray. Until he's able to do it. And what's more, Noah enjoyed the experience. I wonder if you remember the most encouraging thing that's ever been said to you. And probably like Noah, it was somebody giving you the confidence to do something that you didn't know that you could do. They supported you, they built you up, they gave you a hope or a dream that you could fulfil. Many years ago when we were on holiday, uh, both my daughters did what was then the highest bungee jump in the world. I've got to say, against my advice, I was telling them not to do it but they did and they got themselves harnessed up and eventually you get to that point where you're on the edge of a platform and there's a 700 fall right below your feet and they could have turned around and said i don't want to do this and at the time i would have been delighted if they'd made that decision but as they're standing at the edge of the abyss there's members of staff there comforting them, telling them they can do it, and telling them they will never regret it. They were right, and both girls made the jump. I'm told, apparently, that most people, there's very few people that when they get to the edge of that platform, ever turn back. You see, I want to be like those men that encourage people to do things that they never knew they could do. Let's put it another way. I don't know if you go or have ever been temping bowling, but are you the sort of person that says how many skittles the other person did knock down or how many they missed? And if you take that analogy into your home or your workplace or the church or into the town, when you talk about other people, do you talk about what they did do or what you thought they could have done. It's so important in church that we get this right. Well, let me finish with a few practical steps. 
Firstly, why don't you make a list of all the people that you know who are good at doing something that benefits you or somebody else? It could be somebody at church, it could be somebody working at the local supermarket, it doesn't matter. And then go down that list and put a tick next to the names of all the people that you have told recently or even ever that they are good at their job and that you appreciate it. Secondly, why don't you make a resolution that every day you will make one positive, encouraging comment to somebody? Now in lockdown, that's not that easy because we don't see so many people. So maybe you start with your spouse. And I have to say, that's not a bad place to start. But maybe you add a positive comment to somebody's post online, or you send a text, an email, or phone somebody up. It may seem odd or hard or difficult when we first start, but I promise you the more we do it, the better we will become. And I'm absolutely sure that the people that receive your positive comments and encouragements will really appreciate it. Thirdly, can I just say, let's not forget our pastors, who are often the people that do get forgotten when encouraging one another. We think they know what they're doing, we think they're good at their jobs, and they are. But it would still help them if as a church we encourage them in their work. Now, why do we do all this? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15 and verse 5. Let me just read that to you. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What it's saying is that God encourages us and therefore we should courage, encourage one another. Why? Because we do it to the glory of Christ. So why not this week up your encouragement in God's strength with his help and let's see how we can affect the people we speak to and affect ourselves to the glory of God.